0: Welcome to the Alpha Universe Podcast. I'm Christopher Robinson, editor of alphauniverse.com. And on today's show, I'm speaking with music photographer Chad Wadsworth about how he photographs in and around festivals, concerts, and music shows big and small. In Tech Talk, I sit down with Mark Weir to find out all about hybrid autofocus. Then Chad returns with do this now tips for your concert and music festival photography. Chad Wadsworth is a photographer at the top of his game. Based in Austin, Texas, Chad has a front row seat and backstage pass to a music scene that's famous around the world. From massive festivals like South by Southwest to intimate clubs where the rich guitar improvisations of Texas blues spill out onto the street, Chad photographs them all. After not taking no for an answer when he pitched a local radio station to photograph a concert, Chad's photographs spoke for themselves, and he's been in high demand ever since. I spoke with Chad over Skype. So would you say that you got into music photography starting with a love of photography or was it with uh, a love of music?
1: Well, I guess I got into it seriously more because of I, I would say it was equal. You know, it was it was um, I picked up the camera because of my kids, which a lot of parents do when they, they first have their children, they want to capture those moments. But I can very clearly point back to my, my youth where I, I loved photography and always had a camera and was snapping away left and right. So I think it was, it was kind of an equal love for both music and photography. And like I said, it's just that, that nexus, uh, Austin provided that nexus of both in um, a real easy way for me to, to do both, which was great
0: you really seem to get a story when you're photographing the people and the scene. Um, has that been something that you've always worked for or did it just happen?
1: Um, yes, I, I would agree with that. I think it, it was a, an evolution um, and a progression in my photography. I wasn't always that way, especially with music. I think like a lot of photographers who, when they start doing music photography, they're, they're laser focused on the band and the person singing to the microphone, or the guitarist, or the drummer, and, and they're just they're just capturing that action that's on the stage. And I think that over time, I've definitely progressed to wanting to capture in a more journalistic manner. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with access, and we can talk more about that. But you know, not just not just taking that photo of, of the band, going to the back of the, the crowd and, and capturing a wider perspective of the event itself, or details of the stage or if you have the access to get backstage or side stage, um, take some photos outside the venue of the lineup. Um, I mean, a lot of these can be considered cliche, but you have to constantly try to, to capture something fresh. But yeah, to answer your question, I definitely approach it more in a journalistic reportage, um, perspective.
0: And, you know, at events and shows, you seem to get shots that I don't see from other photographers. I don't know if that's because you have special access or if it's because you make your own special access, if you know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think, I think a little bit of both. Um, I don't have to make my special access as much anymore, but I think that there's something to be said about being an opportunist um, in this business. And, and that doesn't mean you have to disregard Authority or do things that you know kind of aren't right, but you know, put yourself in the right place and 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 take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, now, of course, as you as you kind of um, gain experience, and as I've gained experience in this genre, more opportunities present themselves with access. But that doesn't you know that doesn't always have to be the case. I know photographers who. They started out with music photography because they were friends with guys in a band. Um, so you might be able to, you know, have friends in a band and start taking photos right off the bat with great access. You know, it may not be access to, you know, a, a tier one act. Like you're, you're not going to go out and go to an Arcade Fire show and, and be on stage right away. But at least you can. To me, the photography should be more about the photography side of it. It's not about the the celebrity. You can take just as beautiful of an image of your best friend's band as you can you two or or whoever. Uh, you know. I guess my point is, you don't have to have that that level of access to make images that have impact.
0: It kind of goes back to what I was saying about you being a you know, music photo journalist, because I think a lot of uh, photographers, when they're first starting out to to be music photographers they really just have that laser-like focus on the band, on what's happening on the stage. And they miss a certain amount of the context that this is a, a live act that's performing for a group of people. And there's a certain synergy that's happening there. And I think a lot of photographers miss that because they have this focus. Whereas when I look at your work, I, I feel like I'm being immersed in this entire event.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um... And I think that, the, I know many photographers, I'll take your, <laughs> thank you, Chris, I'll take that, um, that kudo, but, you know, the photographers that I appreciate and, and am fans of, you know, first of all, the, the concert photography community is a pretty, pretty tight-knit group, and specifically here in Austin, Texas, where I live, I think more so than anywhere that I've seen, and friends that I have in L.A. and elsewhere, they remark on it all the time. First of all, the talent level is through the roof here, which is which is awesome because it kind of drives us all to do even better work. But you know, to your point, the photographers that I, that I really like—that's what they're doing. They're they're capturing all those interactions. They're they're capturing unique perspectives and moments, and it's not just the bands on the stages. And I think that it's just like I said, a progression. When you get into it, maybe that's overwhelming to you. Maybe you just want to go up. And, and take a photo of your favorite lead singer, uh, or your favorite keyboardist, or whatever, and, and 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 that's fine. But I think you can only do that for so long before you really need to stretch and and capture more.
0: You deal a lot with with celebrities. I mean, that's you know, kind of rock and roll music photography. Um, even if it's a, a small band, there's an element of local celebrity. But certainly, you've shot your more than your fair share of of larger acts as well. And dealing with a lot of uh, of celebrities has has challenges. You're dealing with, you know, an entourage that has uh, agendas, top to bottom. They're worried about the artist's brand. They're worried about their other client, you know, which may be the label or whomever. How do you deal with so many different and sometimes competing priorities uh, when you're when you're photographing in music?
1: Um well I think it's like like anything you know any any career anything that you're going to apply yourself to it's you know you it's a formula it's it's your photographic skill is a part of it but it's only a part of it and you have to be able to maintain relationships and be not even maintain but start relationships or be open to conversing with these strangers who may be a tour manager or a publicist or an act itself. You know, themselves. So maybe maybe you just bumped into you know the lead singer of your favorite act backstage at Austin City Limits, and, and you have this opportunity to grab their photo. What are you going to do? How are you going to act? So I think there has to be this level of comfort and decorum in how you approach these celebrities. And it's not anything that you can teach. It's I think it's just something that that you you kind of work your way through.
0: You know, I think that you just hit on something that's so important, that is the temperament of a photographer um, and the, you know, sort of common sense because there's a lot of talent out there among photographers. Talent is kind of not the defining element between success and failure, I think, so much these days. <laughs> Absolutely not. A lot of it comes down to just what you're talking about is knowing when to, you know, when you can push, knowing when you, you need to back off.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I know some really talented photographers who are very kind of self-destructive in, in just their you know their personalities. and it's a shame because the the talent the talents something that you're constantly cultivating. I mean, I don't think that there's there's anyone that I see out there that just kind of blows me away with this insane talent that that can overcome any sort of personality trait or or whatever. Um, I think that, the DSLR and mirrorless and, and digital technology have been a great equalizer in, in, in getting a lot of people out there doing photography. And so talent is, is everywhere and, and I don't presume that I'm better than anyone else. It's just, it's just, I'm so thrilled to be able to do this work and, and kind of continue to evolve and, and grow my own style and, and, uh, you know, see where it takes me.
0: You, you mentioned, um, how the gear has changed the accessibility of sort of high-end photography. How did you come to shoot with with Sony cameras? How much time do we have?
1: <laughs> um, it, you know, I, I'm a bit of a gear nut. Um, I try to ride that line between, you know, some people are just uber creative and and they couldn't care less about the gear and some people are just all about the gear. And I try to ride that line right down the middle. You know, I think, Coming from film photography, and, and that's what I shot early on, I, I really had a super crush on all these old um, compact film cameras from, from the 90s, these luxury film compacts like the Contax T2 and T3 and the, the Leica Minilux and uh, the Ricoh GR. So I love these. I love the idea of having a small camera that would basically give you 35 millimeter full frame quality. It was just, it's kind of magic because, you know, you have this big DSLR and it's great for work, but you never, I never wanted to carry it around. It was too conspicuous. It was too heavy. And so until mirrorless came around, I really was depending on my 35 millimeter compact film cameras, these little cameras that I could slide in my back pocket and take everywhere. So when the, um, the first mirrorless cameras came out, I think it was like the Olympus EP1 or something came out it was kind of like, oh my god, this is amazing like these this is close to full frame quality and, and but yet you could almost put these things in your pocket And then Sony came out with their next cameras the, they were their first mirrorless cameras and I, I kind of shrugged my shoulders I wasn't really you know being a canon guy I wasn't really Aware of Sony as a photographic company, and I think at first I, I kind of poo-pooed them a little bit, but then you know I tried one, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is this is a really cool tool," uh, and it allowed me to play photographically with all sorts of old um, legacy lenses, and I, you could basically put old film uh, SLR lenses on them and rangefinder lenses. So those early Sony cameras really kind of helped me to um, to be creative and, and to keep the passion uh, going for photography. So I was an early adopter of Sony mirrorless, um, and then I switched from Canon um, to Sony DSLR. I, I got the Sony A900, God, maybe five years ago, maybe. So I love the ZEISS, ZA Zeiss lenses that you could get for that platform, the, the 135, 1.8, and um, some great... Great 35 1.4s and anyways. Long story short, I, I really started to love the platform. And then everyone thought I was crazy. Like all my content all my my concert photography friends were like, you're nuts shooting the Sony stuff. And then sure enough, they came out with the uh, the A7, which was that was it. That was like mirrorless has really arrived. Now we have a full frame, compact, mirrorless camera with the power of a DSLR that I can take with me everywhere. I can adapt all sorts of lenses to it, which I love to do. And, and now fast forward a few years, the native lenses are just outstanding and they're continuing to crank out more and more. And you've got support for, you know, from Zeiss and, and other third parties like Sigma. So it's just an exciting place to be.
0: So does the Sony gear give you any particular advantage in, in how you tend to shoot, you know, musical events?
1: I'll tell you what I'm really excited about, and I, and I do think it's an advantage. First of all, the Sony sensors are outstanding. The, the dynamic range and the low-light capability in cameras like the a7S II and the a7R 2 are just, you know, they're, they're top of the class. So I think that's an advantage, especially in concert photography, where those two needs specifically dynamic range and, and low-light capability are, are critical. I'm not as big on, you know, I don't need my, my high ISO capability to be like, you know, 128,000 ISO. I think that's crazy. I shot for years without shooting over 3,200. So, you know, I don't think it's a necessity, but it sure is nice to have. And the quality of the files at something like 64,000 ISO today look like 3,200 ISO, you know, just a few years ago. So that's a huge benefit. The other thing I think that that's really exciting about shooting with this gear is um, is the autofocus systems. They're 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 doing things with autofocus that you you, you can you can do some of it with a DSLR, but you can see where it's going. And Sony is applying this technology in a very different manner than than it's applied in a traditional autofocus sensor array on a DSLR. So by using these on sensor phase detect technologies in the a7r 2 for example the way the camera handles focus tracking and subject tracking and how it can zero in on your subject's eyes uh, not just the face but the eyes that's like super exciting um, i'm you know don't get me wrong i'm a traditionalist i started out being you know just that kind of center af point or, or manual focus point um, on an slr or a, a rangefinder. you used to have to kind of focus and recompose, right? So you focus on your subject and then you move your your camera to get the composition how you want it. That's okay. That worked, but it has, it has its own problems. You're inducing motion into the frame. So if you want to get a, a real clear, sharp image, that could be problematic. And then also when you focus and recompose, you can shift the focal plane. So what was in focus now isn't in focus when you shift it, but using, this, these new Sony focus um, autofocus technologies, I can let the camera track my subject very accurately to the corners of the frame and be sure that they're going to be in focus. And then I can concentrate specifically on the composition aspect of the photo. So that's that's what's got me most excited. And of course, just the size of the cameras. You know, I'm not getting any younger and being able to take my bag of primes and a couple camera bodies. In a, in a donkey bag compared to you know these huge Christmas tree rigs that the DSLR guys have to wear with their big zooms and you know just not for me.
0: Why do you shoot with primes a lot?
1: I think I'm a sucker for punishment you know um, <laughs> <laughs> I think if you look at my photography it trends towards the, the sentimental um, and I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly but I try to capture a lot of emotion and feeling in in my imagery, and I've traditionally done that by playing with depth of field. And I think there's that certain look that we all kind of recognize, me particularly in the film world, of of a shallow depth of field, whether it be a portraiture or or even a street photography shot, that kind of lack of focus outside of your subject can tend to um, be a tool to help convey some emotion in the image. And so with primes, I'm able to shoot faster lenses and, you know, shooting an F2 or a 1.8 or a 1.4, traditionally zooms are only going to get me to uh, 2.8. So that's why I, I tend to gravitate towards the primes. Plus I like the, the form factor. You know, I like not having a big lens hanging off the end of the camera. I don't know if it makes you any more or less approachable or, or hidden from view, but certainly it's more comfortable to, to shoot with.
0: You mentioned that at one point you started to really go back to film. I mean, not necessarily totally go back, but you were acquiring a lot of film gear. Um, has you know, sort of that film sensibility affected how you shoot with digital cameras, or is is there no difference, or how does it play in?
1: So the act of capturing the image, I don't know that other than kind of my old you know, how I was taught to hold a camera or, you know, to steady yourself and, and just the, the basic tenets of, of learning in, on film. Besides that, I think the big thing is on the post end, post processing. And, um, I think my affinity for film definitely directs, it affects the direction of my work in post. Uh, and I'm, I'm a heavy post guy, I, not to mean that I heavily process every image, but but I process every image. So uh, it is, I can't tell you, other than maybe a iPhone image, I can't tell you the last time I showed something that, that hadn't gone through an edit. And that's, a, that's kind of a controversial subject. I mean, some people are really against processing nowadays. Um, and I, I feel very strongly that as photographers and as consumers of photography, as viewers of photography... We are informed by this kind of vast history of photography that's out there, right? I mean, digital's been around certainly for a few years now, but before that, it was all film. And there was no straight out of camera back then. You know, what we saw was all the product of processing, whether it be the emulsion of the film, the darkroom technique, we were seeing life through the filter of film processing and digital kind of blows that all away. Digital just opens up the possibilities for anything. But I think that that can be really scary for a lot of people because it's so much power. You know, you you, you are given the opportunity to make whatever you want of that image. So I think some people just kind of say I don't want to I don't want to touch that and I just want to take what comes out of the camera. And that's fine because the camera manufacturers are doing a fantastic job of, of producing a really great image out of camera. But then for the rest of us who want to do something else with the image, the door is wide open. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I kind of let let the past direct me a little bit in how I work images.
0: You can find links to Chad's website in the show notes at alphauniverse.com. In a few minutes, Chad will be back with his number one Do This Now tip for music photography. Hybrid autofocus systems are relatively new, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about how they work. To cut through the confusion, I sat down with Sony's Mark Weir to learn the ins and outs of Sony Hybrid AF. I'm here today with Mark Weir of Sony, and we're talking about Sony hybrid AF technology. Um, Mark, I think a lot of our listeners are a little bit confused about uh, hybrid AF. They sort of understand uh, a lot about AF in a phase-detect world or in a contrast-detect world, but when we talk about hybrid systems, uh, there's some confusion. Can you clarify what hybrid AF is?
2: Sure. Hybrid AF is is just a name. Uh, it's the name that we use for... Uh, an autofocus system that combines phase detection AF together with contrast AF. And uh, a little background on contrast AF and phase AF. Phase AF is uh, a depth-aware autofocus system. The camera, through its phase AF system, understands the camera to subject distance intrinsically and then can send a, a single command to the lens Uh, to focus, um, you know, go here and stop, essentially. Whereas contrast AF is, by definition, not depth-aware. It doesn't know the camera-to-subject distance. It finds it by moving the lens back and forth and measuring contrast on the image sensor. Uh, Cameras without a dedicated AF module placed somewhere else in the camera uh, have traditionally always been limited to contrast AF. Uh, This includes uh, video cameras, Uh, mirrorless cameras in general, um, fixed-lens cameras, point shoot cameras, uh, have always been contrast AF. And developing contrast AF uh, to the point where it can focus very rapidly and very predictably and also have uh, excellent tracking capability has been an ongoing challenge for camera manufacturers for quite some time. Uh, It's been uh, particularly of interest in the development of video cameras as well. Uh, Phase AF, uh, which uh, SLRs have had since, um, Minolta first developed it in, uh, the mid eighties, uh, have the luxury of a separate AF module mounted, uh, outside of the optical path of the camera. Uh, and in so doing, they, they understand the camera to subject distance all the time and they typically can focus faster and, um, more directly. I won't say more precisely, but I would say more directly. There are some disadvantages to it as well, since focus is being reckoned by a sensor that isn't in the imaging path per se, Uh, the alignment of the sensor, and particularly the alignment of that AF sensor to the image sensor, becomes uh, important. And I think most SLR users are familiar with the terms back focus and front focus, which by definition technically can't happen with contrast AF because focus is being reckoned at the image sensor. Some time ago, just, well, actually not that long ago, but a a few years ago, um, the idea of using phase detection, um, uh, using pixels on the image sensor dedicated to phase detection was first developed. And uh, it's been developed um, over the last three or four years, and we've developed it quite a bit at Sony with our image sensors to the point where we can now use phase detection in conjunction with contrast AF uh, to first provide the gross movement of the lens. The, um, the, the majority of the focusing can be done with the phase AF pixels very, very rapidly. And then contrast AF can step in to provide sort of the fine tuning and finishing. Um, and they can work together uh, to have very sophisticated tracking uh, capability for cameras that are mirrorless cameras. The, uh, so that's the, the basic notion of hybrid AF. It's not unique to Sony, but um, we've certainly done a lot to make it as uh, effective as it is. Recently, we've gone further to develop the system such that the phase AF can operate independently of the contrast AF. It doesn't need to rely on contrast AF in those cases where contrast AF might be challenged. Um and uh, we've incorporated this into, well, first camera with it was the A7R Mark II, uh, then uh, A7 Mark II, and then also uh, A6300 all have the capability where their phase AF pixels can perform all of the focusing task uh, when necessary. And this is uh, particularly useful uh, when, when used with certain lenses uh, where contrast AF is not practical. Uh, Contrast AF, for instance, is not practical with uh, lenses where the focus group is large and heavy and in the front of the lens, because a lens like that, which is typically designed around an SLR, is looking for a single instruction for focus. It's not looking to be moved back and forth uh, to maximize contrast. So the idea of a phase AF system that can operate independently of contrast AF is a tremendous advantage in terms of the, uh, w- the flexibility of lens choice that you have. So we've done a lot with hybrid AF. Uh, it's a significant part of what we're doing with our a seven series full frame mirrorless cameras. And, um, as focusing systems, uh, uh, progress in terms of their technological capabilities. We think that the combination of leveraging the advantages of phase AF together with the advantages of contrast AF um, is, is really going to drive a lot of the future AF um, developments.
0: Does a hybrid AF system in any way um, affect the resolution of the camera with some pixels being dedicated to focus rather than image making? Some suggested that
2: uh, at the time when uh, pixels were first being um, adapted for use for phase AF. Uh, But if you consider the number of pixels, uh, or if you you consider or think about the number of pixels that might be dedicated uh, for phase AF um, pairs and the total number of pixels on the image sensor, it's such a small number uh, that to consider it as being um, interfering with resolution or overall image quality, it's, it, 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 the math doesn't work. It's a small number compared to the relative overall number of
0: pixels. Well, thanks very much, Mark. Thanks for clearing that up. You can submit your questions to the Sony team. Go to the podcast show notes at alphauniverse.com to see how to contact us. Everyone loves to photograph at a show. Look around at some venues and besides the stage, all you'll see are the glowing screens of smartphones held high. To get pictures at a music show that will make your Instagram feed explode with likes, Chad Wadsworth joins us again with his top Do This Now tip. Chad, a lot of aspiring concert photographers would love to get a piece of advice from you, something they can do right now that would make an immediate improvement in their photography. Do you have a suggestion for them?
1: That's a great question. I've got lots of suggestions, uh, but I think we want to keep it to one. So I, I would just say don't camp. And by that, I mean when you get into the photo pit or if you're at a venue that you can move around a little bit, Don't necessarily go to the front of the stage, right in front of the microphone, and camp out there. I'm guilty of doing it. I know all my photographer friends are guilty of doing it at some point, but really it's like a rookie mistake. So I want to help people and and let them know not to do that. Basically grab some shots and then move on. Change your perspective. Change change where you're shooting the show from um, and try to mix a lot of variety in to your shoot. You don't need to be right in front of the singer The whole set and you're you're going to get home and and maybe you'll have that one image that you're happy with but the rest of the sets can all look the same so so
0: definitely mix it up it's a great tip thanks again chad really enjoyed having you as a guest on the show today
1: all right chris my pleasure
0: thanks for joining me on the alpha universe podcast In the next episode, my guests will be wedding videographers Amber and Garrett Baird of iNamics. You can find the show notes for this episode at AlphaUniverse.com. Subscribe to the Alpha Universe podcast at iTunes or in the podcast app on your smartphone or tablet.